This evening begins the great holiday of Ramadan. For all the Muslims in the world. The holiday celebrates the culmination of the practice of yoga by the great yogi Muhammad, who sat in a cave in a state of deep samadhi and reached such a level of God consciousness that a vision of an angel came to him and gave him the wisdom that he downloaded that became the Quran. The greatness, the depth, the poetry of which inspired the birth of an entire civilization, culture, empire, and a shift in world consciousness. The Muslims celebrate this at an exoteric level by fasting from food in order to be able to remember that there is something more nourishing than physical food and that it is that nourishment that our souls die of when we do not receive it the nourishment of the presence of Allah. But the mystical Sufis and Shiite sages understand that the real fast has nothing to do with not eating physical food. And that the significance of the act of Muhammad represents the activity of yoga in itself. That it is a metaphor for that practice in which each of us abides in the cave of our heart. in which we enjoy the presence of Allah, the Supreme Self, and enter into union with that Self to such an extent that our hearts are willing and able to let go of any other desire but God. It is that that is the real fast. You can fast from food, but your ego can still run wild. The real fast is fasting from any desire except for the presence of God. And that presence will eliminate not only mundane desires, but fears, 
addictions, pathologies, and ultimately the defilement that is the ego itself. It is only when that is completed that the work of God can manifest not only a new culture within a Kali Yuga planetary context, but will have the power to end a fallen civilization and bring about a new world. It is this that is the ultimate task and function of yogis who are to receive such power from Allah, Shiva, that the capacity of pure presence to redream the world as a reflection and manifestation of God consciousness is truly achieved. Any lesser attainment, any lesser ambition, any lesser desire is still within the realm of defilement because it is only the will of God that is a pure will, a true will, a will of absolute goodness. And it is only when the ego's impure will has been annihilated completely that the will of God can be born within you with all of its power, its creative intelligence, its purity of love, and its capacity to unite with all beings, with nature, with the cosmos, so that the source emanates not simply through one prophet, but so that all beings realize their potential for prophecy, for the purity of heart that enables the mind to listen to God and to transform that listening into the information that transforms the world. Yoga is the act of listening with such subtlety and purity to the voice of God within the silence that that power is able to metamorphose one's reality from a world that is dying to a reborn kingdom of heaven. It is not the act of an individual 
but the surrender of the individual will and ego identity to the one self who lives through all, but whose presence is obscured when the ego mind is not engaged in listening for the will of God, but in being entertained by the chatter of its own monkey mind. And so all of the yogic disciplines are designed to help you silence the mind. All of the vows that yogis take are to enable you to have the power to silence the mind. The first vow of the yogi is nonviolence. This includes not allowing the mind to attack you, not allowing the mind to call you impure or worthless or unable to attain God consciousness, or to give you various kinds of illusory lower images, desires, emotions, and phenomena that obscure the presence of the real self. You are not allowed to entertain such a mind or to allow it to defile your space of consciousness. You are not to believe that mind, but to believe only the word of God. And until you stop listening to the ego mind rather than listening to the word of God, you are worshiping an idol. The ego mind is a monstrous idol, a false god. Do you still keep that false god in the temple of your heart? Or is that space reserved only for the one real God? When your heart mind is filled only with the real Allah, there will be no complaint about an inability to meditate. Because that presence will meditate you will levitate you into the celestial realms of the highest consciousness, such that far more than has been realized by any prophet so far will be given. The problem with the religions of Kali Yuga is that they quickly become fossilized and taken over by egos 
whose then dogmatic intention is to make sure there are no more prophets, no further Muhammads. He must be declared as the final prophet, as if God would get writer's block after the Quran. But didn't the Christians do the same? One begotten son, no more. God's not going to have any more kids. He's into contraception now. <laughs> and doesn't every religion claim that it alone is the chosen people? It is this takeover of religion by the ego that has created a world that is a hell realm rather than a heaven and in which the realization of the one God and the fact that that one God produces the same religious ideas in every culture, even if using a slightly different vocabulary and language, but with the same exact understanding of the nature of reality and how to transform from ego mind to sat mind, how to go from being a creature to co-creator. The instructions are given equally to every culture. And yet, once the ego takes over, all of the true nature of the intention of that original prophecy becomes distorted and defiled. But do we not do the same in our own lives, in microcosm, and defile ourselves by believing that what we were long ago in childhood is what we must remain? And do we not end up worshiping that inner child and its superego and all of its sadness and trauma and weakness and fear? and make that the idol that we worship our entire lives and devote ourselves to proving its truth when it is nothing but a falsehood and a delusion created by beings who were not enlightened. And so the yogi is dedicated to becoming free from the past so that each can become a new prophet. But until you have eliminated the idols of the past and the fears that come with the worship of those idols and the lower defiling desires that come with that idol worship, one's life can never blossom one can never flower into one's true potential. One can never gain union with the real Allah. The yogi must begin in silence in which all of the idols of the mind have been eliminated. 
and there is sacred ground in which the ground of one's being can manifest. The ground of truth can manifest in the heart as pure divine love. And the creative intelligence will produce ideations of pure beauty and manifestations of the supreme will to integrity, to goodness, to communal unity, and to the goodness of the world and its realization and protection. The capacity for the guardianship of the natural world is given to us, but only when we are true to the one self can we fulfill our role in the cosmic ecosystem. And once we fall from that high state, which is God's will for us, then our lives become wasted and twisted into ignorance and weakness to prevent the world from being taken over by evil to which all become accomplices. And thus the collective karma of everyone is to suffer in this collapse of the ecosystem of the planet and all of its civilizations and political systems into the lowest form of degradation that simply mirrors the state of the ego itself. The way out must begin by the way in toward the purification of one's heart. And then the pure vision of the realization of that sacred heart as being a true property of every being. And then not only are we not to entertain the idol worship of the ego within, but not to relate to egos without, but to see every being as they really are, as manifestations of the one God self, to see everyone in their true divine nature, to uplift through our gaze, not to degrade through criticisms and complaints and projections of negativity. This too would be a violation of our yogic vows. And so we must live in purity of heart and of mind and never allow either to fall into degradation or self-defilement, nor defilement of any being. This is the true fast of Ramadan, in which we live in the kingdom of Rama, and we obey the Dharma of Rama, and we recognize that Rama 
and Krishna and Buddha and Allah and Shiva and Yahweh and all of the other names of God are representations of that same one supreme universal and infinitely worship-worthy self. And we dedicate our own lives to becoming worthy manifestations, microcosmic emanations of that avataric presence so that the world becomes a place of love, of harmony, of beauty, of joy, of creative power to bring about the birth, the renaissance, the sustenance of the highest possible culture that represents the manifest power of the Supreme Being. The proof is in that accomplishment, not simply in giving lip service to it, not simply in prayer, not simply in preaching, but in being. Every religion offers a period of time in which to devote ourselves more seriously to this contemplative work of inner ego transcendence and transformation. For the Muslims, that month is Ramadan. For the Christians, it's Lent. The Jews have their high holy days. The Buddhists have their rainy season retreat. And every culture has its time for cocooning in the cave of the heart and coming out as the angelic butterfly of God's beautiful nature, as a being of diamond purity and power. For the yogi, however, every day is Ramadan. Every day is a day of retreat into the cave of the heart, and then the coming out of that luminescence of pure, rapturous love, having been attained in the early morning meditation through the union with Allah that remains constant day and night. May we have that constancy of the fasting of the heart from Maya so that we create the conditions in which everyone can attain liberation. This is the work of a true ashram and can be accomplished only by authentic satyogi. May you prove yourself to be such through the simple act of surrender to the Supreme One in your heart 
your words and in every action of your life. May you be the true role model of the avatar, the embodiment of Sat-Chit-Ananda. you have been called here for that one attainment. May you devote yourself to it wholeheartedly, one-pointedly, and know that the power of grace is with you and will guarantee success to those who are truly surrendered.